Good afternoon all. What better to do on a wet May afternoon than talk some transfer nonsense with me and Paddy, eh? All in the spirit of the uh, summer transfer window. Plenty of bits and pieces going on. Of course, nothing actually confirmed really by Norwich yet other than one under-18 striker on a scholarship, which we'll probably mention at some point. We know Mario Vrancic and Alex Tetti are on their way as well, of course. But the main man, Paddy Davitt, is alongside me. Pad, how are you, how you doing on this, uh, as I say, wet, grey Friday afternoon? Yeah, yeah, looking a bit, bit windy outside my window. Yeah, I've been out, um, not took my coat off, so it's not that I don't have any heating in my house. It's just uh, <laughs> I forgot to bring and take my coat off. But uh, all good. Yeah, no... Uh, doesn't feel like much much has changed, really, other than there's no game at the weekend. But the last two weeks, really, since Barnsley have been pretty hectic for one reason or another. We had, obviously, the Stuart Webber chat last week. Um, and this week, it's all about Mr. Buendia, isn't it, really? So, uh, which we'll get into in due course, because there's obviously a transfer dimension to that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's all good. I'm quite looking forward to, actually, when it does go quiet and we can actually have a bit of a bit of a downtime moment and then... But whether we will with the Euros, I don't know. Uh, but we'll see. But anyway, it's all good stuff. So, um, yeah, let's let's get into it, DF. Yeah, well, I'm about to kick off a week off, aren't I? So I'm, I'm quite looking oh, forward right, to, yeah. to decompressing. I've even got a Sunday roast booked in on the Sunday afternoon. So now we're actually allowed back inside restaurants and things like that. So, And i tell you what, Pad, this is very exciting. I haven't been able to um, use it yet, but working from home has just reached new levels for me because I've... Uh, been uh i've sort of gone with the trend and ordered one of these standing desk things so oh, you yeah. can have your laptop sort of at eye level and it actually allows you to uh to stand up and stretch your legs and it's good for your posture and all that sort of stuff so oh, yeah. we'll, we'll see if i actually use it or if it actually makes any difference but um you know it's worth, worth a try isn't it so yes let's kick off and uh, i can already see there's one uh question coming uh, come through we've already got a couple on twitter so um whether you're watching us on YouTube, Twitter or Facebook, get your comments in and we'll try and get through as many of them as we can. You know, we've done uh, window watch before and we'll, you know, we may not keep it to an exact time. We'll see sort of how things are, are shaping up across the summer, really, whether there's uh, enough to talk about and, and go from there. But one in on YouTube pretty quickly uh, from Alex Parfit. How much truth is there to the Ryan Gould rumour, who's the um, it's the Scottish lad playing in Portugal, isn't it, Pad? Now, that was on Team Talk, which uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't tend to put too much stock in what they say. No, no, I think, um, forgive me, what, where, what position of the field are we talking? We're talking attacking midfield with him? Yeah, Ryan Gould's an attacking midfielder, isn't he? He's playing at Faranese. He's been in been in Portugal. He was the one that was talked about as like the Scottish Messi and stuff when it, when he was a, when he was a kid, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it just uh, the reason I ask just clarification is is we kind of have a sense now, having been down and spoken to the main man, Mr. Weber, last week, positionally what they're looking at. I'm not sure he immediately springs out in that area of the field as as if you like if there's a priority list here there's there's a set of players they need or positions they need to address and we all know what they are now we've we've, we've put that out there since we spoke to Stuart attacking midfield isn't necessarily in the first bracket of what they need to address that said of course this is a very fluid situation and we've already mentioned him you know certain individual who's now in the Argentina squad if him or Cantwell were to depart then they obviously need to be very light on their toes and have plans in place and in terms of scenario planning, he might be one that has, has popped up um, should they need to source players to fill holes of players who've just recently departed. But um, I, I don't get any sense, certainly not got any 
any inkling in from anybody inside the club that he's particularly in the front rank of ones they want to bring in here and now. I think we all know that there are other areas of the squad and the team that are more of a priority. So uh, for me, no, probably not uh, one we need to be getting too excited about just yet. No. Um, right. A couple of other questions on Twitter as well. Uh, Nick Bloy says, what happened to Sebastian Soto? While you were talking there, I was just double checking. He signed a contract until 2023. Now, he was he was in Mexico, wasn't he, with the USA under 23s for uh, Olympic qualification. They didn't qualify either. And then I've seen a few things on his socials that he's back in California, back home in America at the moment. So, um, whether there was a little injury issue there or something, I'd imagine they probably just said, have a bit of time at home. There's not much more to play for the rest of this season. Come back for pre-season, we'll make a fresh start. But realistically, he's probably one pad, isn't he, that is looking at a loan option. We're not really expecting him to come into the first team mix next year, given, all right, he did have a good loan. But then this last few months, not much has happened, does it? No, I mean, I have actually spoken to somebody on on him specifically since the end of the season at, at the club, and just because it, what it didn't quite ring true because he'd come back with the view from that Telstar loan, Daniel was going to have a look at him and he would play some development games, but he didn't. Re- he didn't really. I mean, there was one or two. I think Palace springs to mind. I might be wrong there, but uh, the, 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 certainly the, the end of the season development games, there was he was notable by his absence, and immediately you think, well, there must be a reason for that. Um, yes, there was the uh, US Olympic football qualifying uh, commitment that he went and played in um, and he didn't really go plain sailing for him or his country on that one but uh, in terms of failing to qualify for, for Tokyo but um, by all accounts there was no issue there was no injury there um, so my reading of it is is exactly that that you know maybe they felt you know development football per se wasn't really going to tell them too much that they don't already know now having looked at him up close and personal in terms of training at Colney uh, and he's very much going to be in the bracket of, and we've had a little bit uh, earlier in the week on the pink, and uh, Daniel Sanani. I, I see him in that category now that maybe Sam McCallum as well, that they will come back in the summer initially, but then they will, I think, swiftly depart and go and get lone football. And again, like Sanani, it looks like domestically is where they're looking for his next move. And, and I think that's probably where they need to go with Soto. He's maybe shown certain levels in, in Europe Um he needs to be pushed a little bit more than the second tier in Holland, for example. So I think the the logical step is, like with Sonani, get him into a, I don't know whether it would be championship, whether it might be a, a progressive league one club, um, and then we'll see how he gets on in, in, in a domestic environment. But the bottom line is, yeah, we won't be seeing him in the mix uh, in terms of Daniel's Premier League planning. So, uh I mean, you know, you, you reference there, they've, they've done one bit of business um, since the window, well, not since the window opened, but since the season finished. And that's a young lad coming in from Southend, a young striker. Um, and there seems to be a bit of a hot housing mentality, doesn't it, with that area of the pitch? I think I've, I've seen a few bits with Steve Weaver, the academy manager in the past, that, you know, developing young strikers because they're so prized in terms of if they go on and develop into a decent option at senior level and, and what they can command on the open market. But that is that is clearly a big priority. And you can see with Omatoy, with with Adamida a little bit further ahead, now with Soto, with this lad coming in from South End, there's one or two others, you know, in the development pool at the minute. Um and maybe even Sonani who potentially can play at that area of the pitch. That they're almost just hot housing young development level talent and then hopefully one or two of those go on make the grade, ideally for Norwich. If so, all well and good. If not, then 
good enough to maybe command transfer fees. So that's clearly one of the strands of how they operate in the academy now. And um, I think Soto ultimately has to prove that he's good enough to get himself closer to Norwich's first team plans. Because ultimately, if he doesn't, then um, you know they won't wait for him. It's the old analogy again, isn't it? These young players get all the support and help they need, but they get taken to the door and like either certainly lock on Obama daily in, in a different part of the pitch, but similar principle. It's up to them to walk through and prove they can be part of it. Barley Mumber, another one that springs to mind. So yeah, I think in the short term, we won't be seeing Seb, Seb Soto in Norwich's plans longer term, probably hinges on him and, and how that next loan move goes on. Yeah. Kenny Coker is the one you're referring to, isn't it? From South End. Uh, very young lad. He's only signed a scholarship deal. So um, this isn't someone that's going to be anywhere near the first team next year. Expanding on what Pad said a bit there, as we've all seen it in recent years, haven't we, that, that there is a big turnover in Norwich's academy. They are all of those players that they bring are not going to make it. Some of them will go and have careers elsewhere. Some of them they might make money on. But, um, yeah, it's a big process, isn't it? Uh, a couple of comments on Facebook. Barry Newman says, good afternoon, gents. Enjoying the summer sunshine in Norwich with a laughing emoji. Rhino Phil says, afternoon, guys. So afternoon to both of you and everyone else that's watching. There's one more on Twitter I wanted to uh, ask before we, uh, which touches a bit on what you said there, to be honest, Pad. And then we'll come on to Buendia. Uh, Mike Dunn. Are we really not considering bringing in another out-and-out striker and relying on Ida to step up? Um, now, this is a bit more, it's more complicated than that, isn't it? But as you've mentioned there, they're, they're looking for a winger who can play up front as well. But the Hugo one is kind of where I guess the uncertainty comes into the situation a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this, for me, I did a, we do a regular, obviously, Q&A on a Monday afternoon on, on the pink and, um, and, and there was a question along the similar lines on that. And for me, you know, right here, right now, we're literally two weeks after the end of the season. The window itself isn't actually open uh, in terms of officially open to, to, yeah. for clubs to trade. So really, there's a lot of speculation, rumour, counter-rumour, but nothing tangible. And, and because of that, there's so many moving parts and potential scenarios. You know, we discussed it just at the outset um, that Ryan Gould, that, 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 that example there that, you know, they, they right here and right now, there might be players they don't need to source or positions they need to address. But if something happens to one of the crown jewels or to, to bring it round to Eugle, you know, that, that seam of lads who really are not part of the 11 um, came in and came out, uh, but more often than not, maybe we're making the benches, Eugle, Hernandez, Poeta, uh, Steeperman, maybe even to an extent, you know, there's a strata of players in this current squad who potentially if there was interest and it made sense to all parties, wouldn't be here for the Premier League ride. So if that comes to pass, then obviously then Norwich would have to be reactive and, and make sure they are covered in those areas of the squad. So Hugo, I think it's safe to say they love what he brings in terms of his influence around the place. And, and we can all see what an infectious public character he is. Um, and, and, Daniel himself, I remember saying at the end of the season, was he doesn't measure a player like Jordan Hugel in terms of his actual minutes on the pitch. It's what he brought to the whole camp. And, you know, that was those difficult periods during the season, maybe at the start of the season, when, you know, characters that are like a Hugel, like a Ben Gibson, were, were worth their weight in gold. But I think in purely in terms of contributing on the pitch in the Premier League, um, you know, he had an opportunity at West Ham, but he didn't really get too much exposure. I, I, I don't think they would be looking necessarily at him. Um, to be playing a huge leading role on the pitch in the Premier League next season. So if that is the case, 
and maybe you know as Stuart was openly admitted to us the other day that by selling one of the crown jewels that might allow them to maybe be a bit more creative in terms of what they can spend in terms of the transfer window well if you apply that logic to lower down the squad it's the same principle albeit less sums involved but if you could get a fee for John Hugo we'll say hypothetically a championship club came in for him and it made sense that and also the wages involved there that you would save that might allow them to reinvest and then put it towards maybe looking at a, a target who might be you know better suited maybe to, to help Norwich on the Premier League journey in terms of on the pitch so I, I, I don't think we'll there's no point whatsoever now making any hard and fast judgments about this player that player whether it's Emi Buendia Max Aarons Todd Cantwell or whether it's Hugel, whether even it's um, Soto, you know, all of those at the moment are Norwich players, but things can happen over the summer and um, opportunities can present themselves, whether it makes sense for the club, whether it makes sense for those players. And if so, things will, will develop around those scenarios. So right here, right now, that is where they're at. They do feel that Timu Puki is the main man, as it was said to us by Mr. Weber, you know, it isn't about, he doesn't go, five games without a goal and then he suddenly places under under pressure. If he's available, Daniel Farker will play Timu Puki. That is the top and bottom of it. Um, that's how much faith he has in him. And uh, if that is the case, then, and you only play one up front as he tends to do, as he's done all throughout his time at Norwich from a starting games, you know, do you need to be carrying two or three other strikers? Yes, you need backup, but they also feel on the flip side of that equation, Adam Eder is capable of making that step. And we've talked a little bit earlier there about young players getting the opportunity and then have to prove they're good enough. They clearly feel he's good enough. So with the potential to continue to to move forward with the club in the Premier League, if that's the case, then there's your two strikers and then you're looking for some backup options. And that's why I think, and again, Stuart made the point, they can't carry a bloated squad in terms of the finances. They can't carry it in terms of maybe keeping all those players happy because it's only as as it stands, only going to be allowed to name three or name three subs in a Premier League game. It's not the five, it's not the seven that we've had in the Championship. Um, and if that's the case, do you need 25 and plus member squads when you've got young players who can supplement that? The answer is no. Um, Stuart Webber, when he first came to the club, one of the first things he said was there was too many players that he felt were at that club were nowhere near featuring in terms of not even the 18s on a, on a, on a match day, never mind the eleven. He said that needed to change and maybe they need to go up. They're, they're thinking of going slightly back to that. And if that is the case, then they're looking for adaptability. And that's why it's a wide player who can play down the middle. That's why they're getting linked with Josh King, um, the young lad in, in Bordeaux earlier this week, Zakani. Um, they need adaptability. They need to be light on their toes in terms of the, the squad they've got and the resource they've got available. And that's why... Yes, I've very long-windedly answered it. They will not be looking for an out-and-out striker to come in for those reasons, for the finance that would be involved. And what is the point in going and spending, if they've got a budget anywhere between 15 and 30 million, dependent on what happens in terms of outs with the crown jewels, why do you blow half of the lower end of that on a, a, a top-quality striker who's going to come in and play second fiddle with the team Pookie? That materially makes absolutely no sense. But by the same token, as was proven two seasons ago in the Premier League, if Timu has a, a run where he's got some injuries or loss of form and you turn into a player like Josip Dermic, then again, that's not going to aid their cause. So I think such a difficult balancing act that Stuart Webber and his recruitment team and Daniel Farker have to strike this summer, but ultimately that's what it comes down to. Anything Norwich do will be a balancing act. It will be risk. It will be reward because they haven't got the finance to go and 
bring in a, a off the shelf proven top flight striker. That's just not going to happen. So, you know, if you accept that and that's the premise they're working at, that's the parameters they're working with them, then there are going to be areas of the squad where you might feel as a supporter or even in the media, well, they're leaving themselves a little bit light. But ultimately, they have to do it in, in certain respects because that's the cards they're playing, basically. Yeah, we've gone. We've got quite a few comments flying in here. So just to wrap up the strikers, and then we'll get into Buendia stuff because obviously that's what people wanting to talk about mainly at the moment. But uh, Sprouse and Ripper on YouTube's maybe being a little bit ambitious. Uh, is it worth Farker tapping up his friend Tuchel for Tammy Abraham on loan next season? England international. Um, I don't think he's coming to a team who are more than likely going to be in a survival fight. He was previously on loan at Aston Villa, wasn't he? So if he is available, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him going back there because he did very well for them in the championship or maybe Leeds, something like that. Um, I don't think there's, that would be realistic at, at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Keith Shaw on Facebook, maybe Josh King from Everton, uh, winger slash striker. Yeah, he sort of played wide before, isn't he? But um, I think he's mainly a striker. That's one that we've seen that we've we've given a little bit of uh, attention to just because of where it's come from, haven't we? In terms of it's Peter Rourke, who is one of the guys that is very much in with agents and tends to have his ear to the ground on these type of things. Football Insider is a website that there tends to be some absolute tosh on there and there tends to be some stuff which is absolutely on the money. So you have to keep an eye on it. But Josh King, me personally, if you're going to sign a free agent with big wages, which he would be big wages, I, he'll be on a lot at Everton. Personally, if Swansea don't come up, then I would be going for Andre Ayew ahead of him, um, who has been a real leader for Swansea, has had a really good season again, and I think is much closer to Pukki than a Josh King is. Um, but that that's purely an opinion, not in terms of any kind of prediction uh, in the slightest. Right, let's do it then, Pad. Uh, the man that we've been talking about all week, uh, Keith Shaw as well, uh, says, many, many reports concerning Emmy to Arsenal. What do you lads make of this? Well, you know, the the stuff, this seems to me, Pad, I don't know, we'll see, seems to be a bit different to January when there was just a lot of rubbish being talked in January without much substance. Whereas at the moment, it seems to be journalists who have got ins at Arsenal and a lot of the national papers going with the line as well. So it's not like we're saying, yes, he's definitely going to Arsenal or anything, but it sounds like there could be a genuine interest there, doesn't it? Well, I think the interest has, has been there for a while. It's not just blown up uh, in the summer. They're, they're clearly was something in the wind in January. But Stuart Webber, I distinctly recall, as we've just spoken to him now, at the conclusion of the season, we spoke to him at the end of the January window. Uh, I think there was the, the Weberism about, you know, uh, the 12-year-old in the bedroom saying yeah. that, you know, Mikel Arteta has been speaking to him or what. And he said, absolute garbage. There was no... And Daniel himself said there'd been no contact. So, you know, again, uh, club to club, and that stands right here right now. Club to club, there's been no contact regarding Emi Buendia and Arsenal. Um but but you'd have to be naive to think that, you know, outside of the club-to-club club channel that there's agents and there's people acting on behalf of agents um, and there's expressions of interest um, because that's the nature of how football transfers are put together. Certainly the ones when you're talking, you know, those sort of figures, which they would need, to, as Stuart Webber said last week, you know, yes, we'll count on selling a crown jewel, but don't pick the phone up to me if it's not going to be smashing our club record. So ultimately... A deal as complex and as expensive as that takes a lot of hurdles to clear before it comes to pass and probably even before it gets to the point where Stuart Webber's counterpart, which might be Edu, their technical director at Arsenal, uh, is picking up the phone to him. So 
you have to take a step back and look and see, is he a sort of player that Arteta is clearly looking to bring in? Yes. Um, they've obviously brought in the lad from Real Madrid, Udegaard, um, but he will go back to Real Madrid. I don't think his numbers are anything spectacular. He had his first assist the other night at Crystal Palace. That's not particularly um, impressive productivity, I don't think, from attacking midfield player. So they are clearly, but they've been linked to, there's a, a Nabil Fakir, I think, at Betis. I've seen another guy who's at Marseille, whose name escapes me. But clearly they are looking to fill what they, if you want to call it, the playmaker position um, for Arsenal and for Mikel Arteta. And if you're looking at around um, who could come in, um, then clearly Emi Buendia would be on any club's list, whether it was Arsenal or any other you know, top seven, eight, club in this country or, or anywhere else because his numbers dictate that and this was all before he's obviously now able to call Lionel Messi his teammate or Angel de Maria having been called up into the Argentina squad that's only going to amplify you know his profile um, you know when you're keeping out a player like Pablo Dybala at Juventus as Tim Vickery said who we've got a little bit on that uh, today on Pinkin.com that's the scale of where Emi Buendia is, is now and, and obviously if he goes and performs well in these two upcoming World Cup qualifiers, there's a good chance he'll be in Argentina's Copa America squad. And then the whole landscape could shift again this summer. It might not be Arsenal. It might be far currently bigger clubs with loftier ambitions than Emi Buendia if he performs well for his country over the summer. You know, he can catapult himself into a whole different stratosphere, really, if he goes and performs for Argentina. So for that reason, Stuart Webber must be absolutely rubbing his hands together. Once that call came through, I mean, he said to us, it was in the offing, that he might get his uh, international call-up. But if he if he does, you know, then £40 million might be probably the lower end of the scale from where they start the negotiations. So, you know, get used to it, is what I would say. Um, it won't be just Arsenal. There will be a whole host of clubs linked with that man this summer. And ultimately, if you're an Irish fan, be very relaxed about the situation, whether it's him, Aaron's, Campbell, whoever they will not leave unless it makes sense to Stuart Webber, essentially. And that means that the finance is involved. Um, and also the duty of care that they clearly feel towards these players. Now, we saw it with Godfrey, we saw it with James Madison. They will only let those players go to clubs that they feel can take them on to the next level. You can debate whether Arsenal is that club at the minute. There seems to be a lot of unrest off the pitch around the ownership. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, even if they qualify for Europe uh, this weekend, that's only going to be the Europa League. You know, the years of serial Champions League qualification and all the revenue that brought under Wenger, that looks um, that looks like a, a little bit away at the minute. So whether Arsenal, as a, as a next move for him, in terms of taking his career on to another level, you can debate it. Yes, they're a massive club with the potential to be back amongst the front rank of English football, but they're certainly not there at the minute. So really interesting that it's Arsenal who've stuck their head above the parapet, reportedly. But uh, I wouldn't be getting too worried that uh, that deal is going to happen imminently. I think... Uh, there's a lot to be played out in terms of Emi Buendia and where he starts next season in terms of playing his football. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that if Arsenal stumped up the money to get Norwich to accept a bid, he, he'd take the move. It's a massive club, isn't it? All right, they might not be in Europe next year. might be a bit of trouble there. But you play for Arsenal, you've got a good chance of continuing the Argentina squad. I, I would imagine he would be very interested in a move to one of the big Spanish clubs as well. Atletico Madrid have been linked, haven't they? Villarreal, Sevilla, I think. that That's a big step up. That's European football. So I think the one thing with Emi is that he's been at Norwich for three seasons. Um, he didn't leave last summer. So I think fans could understand a move like that. And OK, maybe if it was a Villa or something like that and it was a club that wasn't in Europe, then I don't know. But Villa's still a massive club and they've got huge money behind them, haven't they? So 
I, I think realistically, if someone comes up with the money, um, he's probably going to take that opportunity. I think the bigger issue for me is is whether they actually turn up with that money that persuades Norwich to accept the money this this summer. Um, we shall see. But the one thing that we sort of heard really is that everyone remembers the James Madison situation with Leicester, where that was coming for a while, wasn't it? Where everyone sort of expected it to happen, even with that knee injury on the final day of the season. And as it doesn't sound like we're in that situation at the moment with with Max Todd or, or Emmy, does it? That you know the groundwork has already been put in with a club and that it's almost that they're destined for that club all being well. It's, it seems like at the moment, Norwich are waiting to see who who picks up the phone, as, as you sort of said there. Um, just to go through a few of the comments, because uh, there's quite a few, so I want to just keep up with them. Um, Cameron McCurdy on YouTube. If Aaron's goes, do we buy a first-team replacement or can Barley Mumba do the job? I said Aaron's first time there, Pad. I think it's finally getting in. It's finally getting in the head. <laughs> um, Aaron's, and I've just said it again. So there you go. But who cares? You know, we're not we're not radio commentators. It doesn't really matter. We write words on pages, mate. Unless we do a bit of verbal. <laughs> um, I think uh, it, undoubtedly, if Max Aaron's were to go, they would definitely be looking to sign a replacement. Barley Mumba is still a young lad. I think he's still only nineteen. Hasn't played a lot of football very little doubt about it that they would replace him even if Sam Byron was fit I think you'd be looking to spend decent money on a on a right back uh, a, a, you would need to replace Max wouldn't you um William M any imminent news as far as we're concerned at the moment nothing imminent but we are sort of in that holding stage aren't we where the Euros it's one of the a, a tournament summer so that kind of holds everything up um Pad you did mention earlier didn't you let me just double check the day i've got it here the transfer window opens officially on wednesday june the 9th and it closes a couple of weeks after this season has started so uh, monday august 30th 11 p.m transfer deadline so uh that's when things will really kick off and you know contracts run until the end of june and things like that as well don't they so we're still in a little bit of a, of a holding pattern but you are seeing a few clubs confirm deals here and there um there was another question i wanted to put to you pad uh, well yes following on from what i've just said there really matty fiddler on youtube asked what are the odds of us keeping all of our current squad I guess he's probably meaning mainly Wendy, Campbell, and Aaron's. No, don't see it. Not those. Th if we're just distilling it down to those three, no, I don't think uh, there's any chance whatsoever those three will be part of Norwich's squad beyond that August the thirtieth uh, window. Um, and I say that simply because proactively Stuart Webber was was willing to put that out there through us uh, mainly um, last week or the week before. Now I'm losing track um, that they would entertain within the context of money deals that made sense and the duty of care to those players, they would entertain letting them go. And that's the first, I think, public time that he's willingly um, conceded that. So that tells me that he's probably expecting there will be tangible offers rather than endless speculation um, and that the players maybe themselves, I mean, you talked about Emmy and maybe fancying the, an Arsenal type of move, I think that'll also probably be in the equation as well. Um, so, no, it's, it's a simple answer. I don't see any scenario where all of those three are with Norwich from September the 1st. And what's really interesting about that as well is just for pure example's sake, say they sold Wendy and Aaron's and they managed to get Todd on a new contract so that that issue was sort of pushed back for a little while, but no doubt with sort of agreements on what might be in the future that's then a serious amount of money to reinvest in the squad, isn't it? Which Weber has quite openly talked about when we went down and saw him the other week, 
you then potentially could really invest it. But with Emi Buendia, if he performs anywhere near like he did this season, he could be that sort of difference maker, couldn't he? And then to carry on that thought, Harry Thurlow on Facebook says, I know it depends on the departures, but how many do you see coming in? Goalkeeper, fullback, centre-back, two midfielders and a forward. That's a lot of fresh faces to bed in. Um, and I think he's about on the money there, Pat, isn't he? Maybe not a fullback. That's probably tied into to Sam Byram and, and, as he says, what happens with Max Aarons. Um, but otherwise, yeah, they the, the squad's got to be upgraded, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, um, so many moving parts. So it's it's hard to definitively say right here, sat here today that, There'll be five or there'll be four. Um, I think they want, they definitely, what we know for definite is they want to do four areas uh, and that's excluding the keeper because obviously they're still in talks with, with Nealand. Um, my sense is that probably won't happen um, for both parties' satisfaction. So they might need to do something in the keeper situation. Um, but as it stands, taking that one out, they do, as, as that poster touched on there. Centre-back, two centre-mids, attacker-slash-winger. That are the, they are the, Priorities right here, right now. Of course, Max Aarons goes, right back becomes an issue. When the account, well, ditto. But right here, right now, those are the four areas. Um, and as I say, I expect there'll be a, a few outs, not just the crown jewels. I think some of the, some of the squad players, because ultimately, risk of repeating myself, they want to get to a point where they have a slimmed down squad, um, where they feel all of those could justifiably do a job in the Premier League. Um, and then supplemented with younger players. That's the way they want to go. Stuart Webber talked about they need to be better in terms of keeping the players healthy and fit and available, which, which they weren't in the Premier League. You could argue last season as well. Of course, there's injuries outside of their control, but just that day-to-day managing of, of the players, their load and, and their bodies, uh, I think Stuart Webber thinks that's an area they can be better at, um, and they'll need to be, because ultimately, by definition, if you have a smaller squad, you're going to be a little bit more susceptible to to injuries and, and absences, aren't you? So they need to be better in terms of maybe the support services around the squad. But but that's that's the driver. They, they clearly want to thin out the squad, but have a better quality across that squad um, rather than you know reliant on lads who they probably know themselves. If they come in and, and have to go in for any length of time in the Premier League, they're not going to be good enough, and, and that's where their head is at clearly. And but it's one thing having that. Uh, policy or that strategy at the start of the window, but uh, you know it's going to be very, very difficult for them to get to that point. I think because it's such a such a difficult balancing act to strike. Um, you know, at the right time to let players go out while being able to bring in the players they want to be able to bring in. But but ultimately, that's where they're going with. They want a thinner squad with more quality. And right here, right now, those four areas of the outfield eleven addressed basically. Okay, um, let's move it to the midfield then. Um, but first, um, Matters HD on YouTube has been doing a bit of scouting himself. He's got a name for us. Sure. Uh, a player I have kept an eye on is Theo Bongonda from the Bre- Bre- Belgium League as more of a Campwell replacement if we were to sell Todd. Now, that's not a player I'm familiar with or expect you to be off the top of your head, Pad, but uh, 25 years old at Genk. Um, he's one of the top scorers in Belgium this season. Genk, obviously, a team who play in Europe, aren't they? So, 
Uh, he's got 16 goals and eight assists um, in 34 league games this season. So uh, I don't know anything about him, but it's worth remembering uh, that name, maybe exploring him, seeing if there is uh, something. I'm doing this speak, Dave. You keep filling, mate. I'm going to see what his contract situation is. <laughs> yeah, that is that is an interesting uh, element with Norwich. That is something that they will be uh, aware of because it does bring down the value, doesn't it? Um, like, for instance, I'm not suggesting him because he'd probably still be too um expensive but i think adam armstrong at blackburn has only got a year on his contract left and that was the same with Yanulis as well i think wasn't it that's how uh, that's one of the reasons norwich were able to get in there with him as well so um that always has an effect and that's what we've been talking about with campwell as well isn't it if he starts getting into the last 18 months 12 months of his deal then all of a sudden the value unless he's really doing well in the premier league starts to starts to come down um what's uh, what's the web telling you uh, 14 goals in 29 appearances, six assists. Basically, his main position is left winger, but he can play anywhere across the front three. So that ticks that box. Uh, two years left on his current deal, current value, eight million. So that would certainly be the sort of levels that they would be looking, I think, to maximum uh, do per player. I, I don't see any. I mean, Stuart flippantly said, if you see us linked with a 30 million plan player, don't even bother picking up the phone. But I would say it probably even applies maybe to 10 million. I, I just don't think they're, they're going to be able to do deals of that nature. But seven, seven, eight million, yeah, I could see that. So um, ticks a few boxes, but maybe we'll have to keep an eye on that. That's a good bit of scouting yeah. by that, man. Yeah, we shall see. Um, right, let's move it to central midfield then, which of course is a massive issue at the moment. Tete and Vrancic are going. Rupp and McLean, both injured at the moment, but are both hopefully going to be okay for pre-season. Jacob Sorensen, and that's about it at the moment, isn't it? So they obviously have got to do some business there. Um, William M on YouTube asks about Ozan Tufan, who is the, I think he's a Turkey international fan of Barchi. That was a, uh, a couple of months ago, I think that rumour came out. Um, but yeah. the more recent one this week, Mark S says, uh, a couple of rumours on Twitter for Norwich interest in Bosnia international midfielder Stjepan Lonkar. That's one that we had on our websites earlier this week, if you want to look at that um, properly. Um, Carl Waite on Facebook asks about um, uh, Lonkar as well. And so to put that into a question for you, Pad, uh, Craig Matlas on YouTube. Hi, boys. For me, it's got to be the replacement of Skip, which is our main priority. Hopefully we use a big chunk of money from the sale of one of the big three to get that player who we're desperately needing. But, well, we, we just don't know. I mean, Stuart Webber was totally honest about it. He cannot answer about Skip at the moment. He's been as open as he can about it. They want him back. No doubt about it. Every Norwich fan, everyone in Norwich City wants him back. And hopefully, if Tottenham were open to it, Skip would want to come back as well. But there's just too many uncertain issues in that at the moment, isn't there? So um, this lad, for instance, at Rijeka, the one we're talking about, Lonkar, he's a Bosnia international. Um, Norwich may well have seen him because they'll have been keeping an eye on how Josip Dermic is doing there, which is the, the team that um, he plays for. Uh, it feels a little bit like an agent is involved as as always with these sort of transfer rumours in the way it's came out in in sort of a quite obscure Italian route to start with. So he may not be one in particular, but the one that I did have uh, my eye on pad is the lad in Germany. Sorry, I've got my list because there's so many. It's difficult to remember all the names. Robert Andrich at Union Berlin. That was in Build, wasn't it? Now, Build's a proper publication. If they say something, you can take it seriously. And I've noticed a couple of stories recently, not mentioning Norwich specifically, but basically saying he's off and the Premier League look, is looking quite lightly. He's a bit of a an enforcer. So that's definitely an area they've got to get sorted, isn't it? 
Yeah, and, and that is a great shout. I think of the names I've seen linked, uh, I mean, a Turkish lad, he was very close to joining Palace last season. Now, obviously, there's an uncertainty there now because Roy Hodgson's off and whoever the new Palace appointment is, they, they might be looking in different areas. But I, I also saw him linked with Liverpool as well. So that immediately you start thinking, well, with that levels of interest, you probably put a line through him, I think, uh, for reasons stated already in terms of what financially they can do in terms of the packages they can put out there. Um Whereas that one you mentioned there does, does make a lot of sense. I think his contractual situation would bring him into Norwich's orbit as well in terms of the potential cost. If he wants to prove himself in the Premier League, I, I saw a few of the similar quotes. I think he talked about sort of being in and around the London area. I saw some quotes, which given you know Norwich's proximity, as long as you don't get, have to get on the trains, it's not it's not beyond <laughs> the realms that you could commute to, to London or be in the greater London. Not quite on Watford's. I think Watford, didn't they trying to trap players by saying it was like London, Watford or whatever, almost uh, in terms of the brand. But uh, but anyway, I digress. I mean, and, and clearly, you know, if you're somebody who's coming from that background and, and you've got a German head coach over here and, and a few German players, I'm sure, you know, th- that could be quite an attractive proposition, albeit maybe you're looking at Norwich as a career move and are they going to be in the Premier League in 12 months? That might be the persuasive element that Norwich have to get across, not per se to him, but any of those type of top tier players around Europe at the minute that, that you know, this isn't going to be a 12 month hit and we're back in the championship sort of thing. So um, the Bosnian, I don't know too much about, but clearly they would be aware of him by, by the, the tracking work they're doing on, on Dermich. Um, but with Skip, I, I think that's a positive. Again, Stuart was quite openly admitting that he'd spoken to his representative, spoken to the lad himself. Now, you know that if Skipper said, no, maybe not, I think I've probably moved on from Norwich. Not for me. I'm either looking to try and get back to Tottenham or maybe get a higher, more established Premier League club uh, next season. Then the door would have been closed. And what's the point in picking up the phone to Tottenham? Because Ollie Skipper said he doesn't really fancy it. So I think that's a very positive development that he's clearly, you would feel, indicated if scenarios played out that he wasn't going to be getting a look in at Tottenham, he would consider coming back to Norwich. And also Stuart made it quite clear with his injury situation, with the new coach at Tottenham, who might want to have a look at him when he's fit, they would wait. I think Stuart's line was something along the lines of, we would wait to the last hour of the window to get Ollie Skip because they know what they're getting back through the door if he was to come back. So I think Ollie Skip, park him, and he would be a Brucey bonus if he was if they were able to get him in. Um, but they obviously now need to plan that Ollie Skip isn't coming back in in terms of central midfield areas, hence why they are quite keen to, to do two in that area irrespective of Ollie Skip. If they get Ollie Skip all well and good and they'll deal with maybe being a bit more top heavy in terms of central midfield but right here right now they need to bring it in at least two because obviously yeah injuries still around Rupp, McLean, Sorensen unproven in the championship as a centre mid let alone in the Premier League. Rupp yeah. ditto didn't really play in centre mid in that 12-13 games he played in the Premier League two seasons ago. So really you know they 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 need to bring in players who, if they're not if they're not already familiar with the Premier League, who they feel because of the level they've been at can handle the Premier League. So that for me, if if I look across what Norwich are trying to do this summer, because of how in, in absolutely imperative it was, they got the skip appointment right last season. Pivotal player, you know, they need to get that right again because that's the area of the pitch I think where if they get found out there as they did two seasons ago. It's not going to end well. So um, I think of all the areas they're needing to strengthen, this area, central midfield, 
is absolutely top, top priority. So really interesting to see what direction they're going to go in terms of who they find to fill those holes. Uh, Greg Twomey <laughs> suggests does Jan Mulby. <laughs> well, the passer. It's a bit like the Brucey bonus reference. That might be a bit young for. Yeah, <laughs> it might yeah. be hit over the heads of some of the younger watchers. I'm sure, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. <laughs> um, we'll be with you for about another five or ten minutes. Like Forty minutes is absolutely flying past, which shows why we're doing this. Really, it, nothing's happened yet, but there's a load, load to talk about. There's a load for. Well, certainly, Stuart keeps Stuart Weber busy. Keith Shaw on Facebook says. 40 million for Emmy. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a reasonable shout. Um, I can't see Norwich selling for less than that. They'd certainly want some add-ons and things like that. Neil Luther, do we know when uh, what Emmy's views are regards moving? Um, I think we touched on that a little earlier. Although he, in all of his interviews recently, he has, he has been quite emphatic in stressing how happy he is at Norwich and how um, well things have been going. Of course, his, his second son was born a couple of months ago, so um, we shall see. But it's always difficult with these things, isn't it? Like with Max and Todd and, and all young players, they're supposed to show ambition. They're supposed to want to play at the top of the game. In this yellow and green bubble that we're in, of course, we want Emmy Buendia to stay. But, you know, he wants to go and play at the World Cup and he wants to play in the Champions League, doesn't he? He's not going to do that with Norwich. So we have to, we've got to retain that bit of perspective. Um, Ian Goodrum on Facebook Um my last comment might maybe applies to that as well. I wouldn't mind Norwich signing David Brooks and Dan Juma from Bournemouth, or if Villa want Buendia, get thirty-five million and Huran from them. There's that. I would. I think I'll put money on it that there is no chance David Brooks or Dan Juma are coming to Norwich this summer or probably anytime soon. Dan Juma they bought for sixteen million. He's a Holland international. David Brooks has been talked about as a twenty-five, thirty million pound player. So even if they were to sell. Max, Emmy, and Todd. I don't think that either of those would be realistic options. And Connor Hurahan, for me, is a championship player. Um, he, he would only really be a, a player who would thicken out a Premier League uh, squad. He's got a good set piece delivery, of course. Uh, Matters HD. I feel Emmy's agent is feeding journalists some propaganda. Keith Shaw, astute man, is Weber. Ben Trafford on Facebook. Maybe Juve can sign Emmy and we'll just make do with his understudy. Dibala, Paolo Dibala, who is a heck of a player and used to be Kyle Lafferty's strike partner at Palermo when he was when he was coming through before um before Norwich signed him. David Footer, any news on a holding midfielder? Hope there's no truth in the Will Volks uh, rumours. He said Sam there, but he means Will. Uh, we need better. I, I think I'd probably agree. I think that was his uh, agent trying to drum up a bit of interest in his services. Uh, what else have we got in terms of a question? Um, backup left back, McCallum, Sorensen, or new recruit? Uh, well, I, I think we touched on it briefly earlier, didn't we? But generally, I mean, we've seen Mumba can play left back as well. Um, but Byram, it's all about Byram, isn't it? If he can get fit, hundred percent, yeah. And that was the real positive. I mean, we were we were down at Colney that day. Where he was actually there uh, doing some work outside. So, and they, the expectation is start pre season July the 5th, uh, he will be available um, and fully plugged back in. So, still a huge question mark because by then you're talking over two calendar years since he actually played a game of football for Norwich. But that was in the Premier League where he was excellent. I mean, at that point, uh, the March of that season, you took a, a straw poll. He was probably, uh, if not the player of that 
point of the season, uh, certainly yeah. in the running. Uh, displaced was a bargain, weren't they? Uh, absolutely, it was. I mean, it was, well, Tom Ed, was it three quarters of a million? I mean, ridiculous, yeah. ridiculously good value when he was fit, uh, had displaced Jamal Lewis as left back. So to answer that point, yeah, I think obviously Janoulis and Max, as it stands, are the first choices. But if you had Bali and you had Sam Byram, I think they'd feel they were covered in those fullback areas um, because Sam Byram, we know, can play in the Premier League as a left back and do a more than passable impression. So he is, as you rightly say, Dave, he is, he is the kingmaker, I think, in terms of that squad and fullback areas moving forward. And they all hope, I'm sure, that his injuries are behind him and, um, and he can just stay fit and then show us what a decent player he is, as he did two seasons ago. Okay. Um, Tom Chan on YouTube says, of the players that joined last summer, who do you think will flourish in the Prem? I went a bit early with this. I got, I was a bit fortunate with my timing, really. I, I did my column on the day of the Reading game saying that I thought Kieran Dow was primed to flourish in the Premier League and that I thought that the pace of the game will potentially suit him in the way that we've seen that it did Campwell. Got a bit lucky. He, of course, goes and um, stars that day, doesn't he? And, um, well, his end of the season was was good. There was a video on Twitter a couple of days ago of him still doing skills work with a, a coach that he obviously knows in Liverpool. And he's somebody, I remember after the Derby game, after he scored that brilliant free kick, he'd said that really the season's coming to an end at a bad point for him. So as long as he stays fit and, and can build on what he has done in, say, the last two months of the season... Then uh, Kieran Dow for me would be uh, would be the one. A couple of interesting points here, Pad. Uh, well, firstly, Carl Waite says on f- uh, says on Facebook just said that the transfer window closes August thirtieth. That's the day before my birthday. Hope City give me a few early birthday presents with one or two new arrivals. Well, just imagine if it was Ollie Skip turning up on deadline day. That would uh, just imagine how excited Irish fans would be. They'd be absolutely uh, chuffed, wouldn't they? Um, Keith Shaw says, hopefully we'll sign Aya at centre-back, who's the Celtic central defender. We're definitely expecting them to have a look at a centre-back. But here's an interesting one, Pat. Ben Trafford says, be interesting to see whether Pookie would suffer with his form if Emmy were to leave. Now, yeah. of course, we've seen that, that he really... Well, if you take it back to the previous Premier League season, Wendy's creative stats were off the charts, weren't they? And then, obviously, once Pookie got his injury and was playing with pain and things like that, that's when they kind of went wasted, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It is, it is a dimension that needs to be factored in if Emmy moves on. Uh, I mean, you touched on him there, Dowell. They would hope he would step up and fill a little bit. Of, I don't think there's I don't think there's a player currently in the Norwich squad who would like for like replace what Wendy would give you in terms of goals and assists. And what we're assuming is now that he returns to the Premier League um, with more to offer in terms of the goals column. Assists were decent. You know, there was those comparisons with De Bruyne, wasn't there, two seasons ago. But I, I think... I think we could reasonably expect he would also chip in with his fair share of goals going back to the Premier League because he's a better player now than he was two seasons ago and, and he demonstrated in the Championship. He, you know, he knows where the goal is. So, Dal, Cantwell, those are the players who would offset a little bit what you'd lose from Wendia, but uh, would they have the same relationship with Pookie? No. I mean, Pookie has said, hasn't he? And I think Emmy said, vice versa. They're their best partners they've played with so far in their careers. That's how how good they are as a pairing, individuals and a pairing. So that's a great shout. If it was Timu staying, Emmy moving on, it's not just what you lose in terms of Emmy Buenia's influence as an individual, it's his impact on the rest of that side, particularly at the top end of the pitch. And uh, I'm sure they'd be mindful of that. They would, they would, uh, 
they would really, you know, have to think hard about, you know, allowing Emmy to go if they don't feel they've got the ability to bring in somebody who can probably not, as I say, replace him like for like, but together with Dal, together with Cantwell, they're the two spring to mind. And obviously, the, this if they get it done, this attacker slash winger they want to bring in um, to, to almost compensate for what you lose with Wendia. But again, as we said at the Royal outset, risk, reward, well, you, you might get a bit of reward in terms of banking 40 million plus, but the risk element is that there. That Does it have a detrimental impact on Timu Puki's ability to you know, plunder with such regularity at that level? Okay, I've just been quickly flicking through because there's quite a lot of comments. We're not going to get through them all because we've got a wrap before two o'clock because we've got stuff to get on with, I'm afraid. But um, Leon Knockhold asks John Fleck, just been relegated with Sheffield United. Not for me. I know there's a nice link there with him being Robert Fleck's nephew and stuff, and it seems to have not had the best of seasons. Um, that's not one I'd particularly yeah. be looking to explore. What's go- uh, Alex Parfit, what's going on? Uh, what's going to be happening with Mo Leitner this summer. It's gone radio silent with him and he wasn't on the release list. As far as we know, all those lads, your Leitner, Dermich, Tribal, Closer, those ones who are out in the cold, shall we say, surplus to requirements, nothing's going to change there. Those doors are closed and they will be looking to get them sorted with permanent deals if they can, or I think nearly all of them are coming into the last year of their contract. So I guess you could loan them out. Philip Heiser as well. The Norwich do have a lot of players on the books. So, um, but yeah, I think we can be pretty certain that um, none of them will be coming back into it. Even with Dermich, you know, scoring a few goals for Rijeka, he's not going into the Switzerland squad, which probably would have been a good thing for Norwich, to be honest, would have um, helped boost his profile and helped them to, to shift him permanently because, you know, those guys are on decent wages as well. Uh, Leon Knockholds, we must get Skip back. But the final two we'll finish on, Pad, are a couple of questions. First one is Shemik Poheta, Logan Nelson. Thoughts on Poheta being loaned back to the Championship next season? Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because... He's been named in the Euro squad by Poland, which probably catches a few Norwich fans by surprise, but he seems to have played quite well in those first few appearances for them. He hit the post in one game, I think, didn't he, when he was playing against Tim Krull against Holland? And he has had a frustrating time of it, and I've monitored a few things that have popped up in Poland, and there seems to have been a bit of surprise that he made the the final squad ahead of someone like Kamil Grzycki, who is um, you know, on the books at West Brom, done well at Hull, and has been a good player for Poland over the years. So, What's your what's your read on on Poheta? Well, I'd say two things. I'll take all that on board, but ultimately, if they're looking for an attacker slash wide player, um, that's not going to improve his chances. Whether they play left or right, you'd think they'd be able to interchange. So um, straight away, you know, if that's where and it clearly is where one of the priorities lie, maybe it's a signal that what they they feel about Poheta and Onel Hernandez, you can throw in there, in, and Josh Martin as well in terms of their, their ability to a step up. And I keep repeating it, actually impact at Premier League level. That's what they're looking for now. Any player who comes through the door this summer, they will feel isn't a project in terms of the senior end, but can actually improve. As Stuart Webber said, how will you define a good window for Norwich compared to two seasons ago when he said he let Daniel down? You will define it in his view. The squad will be better. The 11 will be better than when we start sat here right now. So ultimately, what that tells you is they're looking for an upgrade, maybe on Poeta, maybe on Hernandez. But that said, to take that point, championship loan, I, I still think that'd be a bit premature. I still think uh, you, you'd at least keep him in and around the building because he has those attributes which have maybe got him into Poland squad, whether that's merited or not. But And the fact that it was his first season out of Poland, new country, uh, the 
the off the field element of that as much as the football side. You know, we saw it when Mario Vrancic, saw it with Marco Steeperman debut season was a little bit, you know, uh, unconvincing, shall we say. Who knows? He might come back in the summer. Might come back if he's had a little bit of action with Poland and Euros. Might have a different mindset. Might might be a bit more confident, self confident, uh, put himself forward a little bit because I think there's a little bit of that with him. He, he does seem quite a very quiet, unassuming type character. Maybe in the background too much. I think maybe yeah. he needs to step forward a little bit on and off the pitch. Um, and if that was the case, then maybe you know not from the start of the Premier League on in terms of eleven, but if injuries or whatever came to pass and he got a little bit of game time, maybe had an impact. You don't know. It could kick on again. And then, conversely, if they kept him in and it it's more of the same and he's not really getting much of a look in, maybe even not making the, the match day squads in the Premier League, you've also got the January window then maybe to get him alone and maybe take him down to the Championship and, and, and let him kick on a little bit there. So, I think, it's, I think it'll hinge completely what happens with him on what they do in terms of bringing somebody in and, and, and if they do manage to bring somebody in, and maybe Onel stays, then possibly in the summer they could let him out on loan. But I just think right here, right now, he, he's probably one. Maybe is in the either-or category in terms of if you're Daniel or Stewart, you know, possibly you could let him out in the summer. Also, you could also see a scenario where he, he hangs around maybe until the following January. Yeah, I'm, I, I spoke to Poeta early in the season. English wasn't great, quite a timid lad, and you can sort of see that in his body language. And... Daniel Farker was probably trying to light a bit of a fire under him, wasn't he, when he took him out of the spotlight after he struggled to sort of fill Emmy's boots while he was suspended. There was it was the Swansea game, wasn't it, when uh, he sort of dipped out for, I think it was five or six games in the end, and then it was only really substitute appearances. So, But it's interesting. But the, the Poland manager has picked him because of his pace, isn't he, as an impact substitute. That's and, and equally for Norwich, he could be an asset. You can still name seven subs. Is he someone that you can can chuck on and, and he might be able to do something? I don't know. I I think for, for me, he, he probably does need a loan in England and he needs to be successful if he's going to make it at Norwich City. Um, right. We A very tenuous little bit of breaking news. But as we're on the subject on, on transfer, just we've had, just had a message that um, there's a, a story drop linking Norwich to... Adam Reach, who's just been nominated, uh, released by Sheffield Wednesday, sorry. Uh, that's on Football Insider. Um, so he's a free agent, but he's 28. Um, Reach, you may remember, I certainly remember, it was absolute peach of a cross for Sheffield Wednesday at Carroll Road earlier in the season. I think it was Josh Windass turned it in. Really lovely, deep free kick, uh, cross from the left. Um, and a decent player going on their story. Five goals, three assists in 44 games this season. But he's 28. For me, that doesn't sound particularly likely. What do you think, Pad? Yeah, I'm just reading the story now. Well, I mean, ultimately, he's he's an attacker slash wide player, isn't he? So I think a lot of this now will be it's quite clear. You know, anybody just has to consume our content um, to see what areas Norwich are looking at. And then it's you map players potentially that would fit holes in Norwich's recruitment. So... He's another one that would, would fall into that category. I, I mean, he did have an... I think it was his cross for Windass's goal, um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, at Carrow Road. So, and I think I think Daniel once or twice has referenced when he when they've ever played Sheffield Wednesday that he is a decent player. So, you know, Daniel, I think, is aware of him and, and, he's, and he's quite an admirer, but I, I've never got the sense that, um, you know, he's absolutely desperate to bring in Adam Reach and, you know... I, I don't see it. I don't see it necessarily, but um, I wouldn't you know, at this stage. I wouldn't completely dismiss it because he, he fits the profile of one of those areas of the squad they're looking to bring in. But 
has he ever played in the Premier League? I don't think so. So, um, you know, a, a, a player who's part of a team that got relegated from the Championship doesn't scream improving the squad or the eleven. So, if you take Stewart at his benchmark, then no, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, I think if Norwich was still in the Championship, he's one that you'd take more seriously. But I, I can't see him stepping up to the Premier League at that stage of his career. But we shall see. That is literally just uh, dropped into our screens now. So uh, it's not like we're experts on Adam Reach right at this second. Um, right, a tough one to finish on then, Pad. And it's from Freddie on YouTube. I'll ask first. I'll answer first because I've had a little bit of time to think about it. But would you rather have Emmy, Max and Todd or Weber with a hundred million to spend. That is a really, really tough one. Um, for me, I, I with Aaron's, I can sort of see it because as a team who's likely to be in a relegation battle, he is possibly better to go and play for a, a team who can play more attacking football in the Premier League. He's got a Premier League career ahead of him. And with Emmy, I just think he's probably outgrown the club. It's probably at that Madison stage. If they can keep him brilliant, uh, and I think Todd's probably in a good place to have a good season, regardless of his contract situation. So if you kept all three of them, given that they've all had that Premier League experience, I think Norwich would be in a pretty healthy state. The squad would be settled. They'd all have the bit between their teeth, something to prove. So just about, I mean, mainly because I, I, I'd probably say Stuart Webb hasn't had £100 million to spend before. So you'd be... You know, you, could you be certain that that would be spent really well? I think we'd be pretty confident, but we don't know. So I'm just just about going to fall down on the side of keeping Emmy, Max and Todd if if I had a choice, which we're not. That's not how it's going to work, is it? No, no, it's a great question. Yeah, if it's Weber, as in, because um, obviously his contract situation, which he covered off, uh, is 12 months from now, he's out of contract, but he indicated, you know, maybe in a more of a rolling, rather informal than, a, than a, I'm signing an X amount additional years. If you were to offer me Weber signing an, a, a three-year additional, I'd take the second part of that scenario because I think we've seen it sufficiently now in four years. Yes, OK, by his own admission, they, they made mistakes in the Premier League previously in terms of recruitment, but he didn't really have a lot of bunts to play with. I think uh, the accounts showed that summer they only actually spent six million on Amadou and Farman and Patrick Roberts, the loan fees. Um very difficult for anybody to do anything with that relatively meagre spend in the Premier League. Hundred million. I'd like. I'd like to think with the the, the recruitment that they've managed to pull off with no money, what they could do with a hundred million, I think would be pretty spectacular. So, if it was Weber beyond twenty two for three years with a hundred million, I'd take that over those three staying. I think like it that's a really interesting question right thank you so much for for, for joining us loads of comments i'll struggle to keep up with them all to be honest uh, we've been going for nearly an hour and it's absolutely flown past so uh, there is a there is a lot to talk about in terms of transfers these days aren't there? there's a lot of nonsense out there as well but uh, we do our best to cut through the noise a little bit for you and just bring you the stuff that's worth knowing at thinking.com so we will continue to do that throughout the summer but for now thanks very much for watching and we'll catch up with you very soon